Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Before we get this episode started, I want to give a huge thank you to our sponsor, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't already heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And you know the best part of it is, Griff? I do, Will. Anchor is totally free so make sure you head to the app store or google play download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast started what's going on everybody welcome back to inside the five i'm griff i'm will i'm stop and in this episode we've got some breaking news from the nfl that we'll get into right after the intro then we're going to move on to some ncaa basketball some nba basketball and a little bit more news from the MLB regarding the lockout and a little bit of uh, Red Sox minor league spring training. So let's do it. Let's do it. All right, guys, we're going to start off with a little bit of NFL breaking news. Before we started recording, Calvin Ridley was suspended for the, from the NFL for at least a year because he gambled all last year on the NFL. <laughs> I mean, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, breaking news, Griffin King, Cyrus Van Hass, and Will Pappas are banned from the NFL for one year as well. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, I want to get like, right into he, it. Like, I want to get like, like, no, no. So he took a year off. Um, or he actually said he was going to take some time off. Um, and I'm pretty sure he planned on coming back this season. Um, for mental health uh, reasons, but it turns out during his little break, I think literally right when he went on that little break, um, that's like what he got caught for. It was like five days in November straight, and um, I think it included like the Thursday night, all of Sunday, and then Monday night. So at least he did it right. It's like he didn't miss out on any games. Um, but, like, Calvin Calvin Ridley, you have to understand. Well, first off, this is a Pete Rose situation. He, uh, in my opinion, he's never going to be back in the NFL. Even if he comes back off suspension, this isn't someone you want on your team. There's just a stigma that follows with someone that bets on sports. Like, it's the same thing with Vander Kane uh, in the NHL last year. It's like who can trust him when he's doing all of that and – it's just Calvin Ridley is such a star. Like he's he's he has so much talent. He's wide receiver one caliber. I was upset when he took um, some time off, but 
I understood why, obviously. But I mean, this is a this is a big hit for him. Like this, I don't think he'll ever be able to come back off this. I don't know what your thoughts are on his stuff. Um, it's interesting because he had a big market for him, especially like via the trade market. I know the Patriots were obviously very interested in him. I know the Raiders were, and there are a few other teams. It's just like you said, it's like the Pete Rose situation. You lose all your credibility as an athlete if you bet on games because you can say, oh, I was betting on my team or I was betting on nothing I had to do. But just the stigma around gambling, which could eventually change because the NFL is accepting it to like a lot. It's becoming legalized. So the stigma around it could change upcoming. But right now, I can't see him coming back in the league, especially after taking last season off and he's going to be suspended for the rest of this year. He's going to kind of be forgotten. At least. So, yeah, it's an at like who knows what they're going to uncover now that they know, okay, we know it's these five games or whatever it was that like the five things span then. What if it's spanned to be more? Like that's all he's got caught for. Never mind things that could have, that could have happened in the past, things that were happening after that. So I don't know. I cannot really see him coming back within the next two, three years. I feel like this situation is a little bit different than the ones that we've seen in the past. Like, he currently wasn't playing for a team. Like, he took a break, stepped aside, wasn't with the team, and was doing this as as far as we know right now. So I feel like that's a little bit different of a situation where, like, yes, if they find that he was doing this while he was playing and in, and in the past, that brings up, like, a P. Rose situation where, like, he was betting on games and he was also currently playing. But, like, he wasn't currently playing and he was betting on games. So, like, from that, like, from a, like, taking that logic he had no impact whether he was like betting on the falcons and then like let's say he was betting on them to lose games and he just didn't play well for them to lose games yeah it's or, not like he threw any it's not like it was Schuler's joe jackson type thing exactly it wasn't like he had any impact on him making money on his own bets against i guess for him or against him like whatever he was betting he wasn't playing so like one, yes, there's still right. a problem with it. It was gambling while still under an NFL contract. So, like, yes, the suspension makes sense. But I feel like this – I feel like he shouldn't lose all credibility if nothing in the past comes up from this. I mean, I think it's just the fact that um, there are very strict um, <clears throat> betting, like, terms in your contract, and it's literally like a can't-do-anything-in-terms-of-betting yeah. um, type thing, especially with uh, sports. And I know for some – um major sports leagues like they, they they don't allow betting of any kind not even just like regular casino gambling um so this is a big deal even if like you brought up the point well like he may not have like been in the games and in thrown games or tr- put money on himself type thing um but like this is a contract and this is a contract that he signed and and he disobeyed the things that he signed off on. It's it's a pretty big deal, and owners don't like that. General managers don't like that. The trust, and you break a contract. So this is a this is a very big deal. Even if it's not, I mean, he could have put ten bucks on. I mean, say like the Rams on Monday Night Football in Week Three. But like, who knows what he did? And and once again, he hasn't been caught for more than five days of gambling who knows how many days he did it might have been only the five days no matter what in my opinion it doesn't really matter um to what he did like it doesn't really matter how long he did it It just matters that he did it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like the whole point of like obviously the whole contract thing. I just think the whole situation is different than what we've seen. Like what like the normal right. like, what, like from the normal when this happens, even though it's really not like a common thing that we see. But I feel like it shouldn't completely deteriorate everything since like he wasn't actually playing. I can't hear Will. Yeah. But what? I, I'm I'm gonna kind oh, of yeah. go off of from what he was saying, like, he he wasn't playing, right? But hypothetically, we're all going to have jobs one day. We're going to sign a contract, whatever, for a certain amount of salary. When you sign a contract, you kind of sign away certain things that you can do. And if you violate that contract, you don't deserve to be, be paid necessarily. So it's like, although the rule might be stupid, he still did alter that rule regardless if they're playing or not, which it's... It's we could disagree. It's going to become legalized in probably every state, probably within five, ten years. So I'm interested to see how his future pans out if he actually does come back. Right. So it's kind of like a like Will said, we haven't seen a situation like this, but we've seen situations um, that are close. We've seen. I mean, we didn't see Shoeless Joe Jackson in the 1940s uh, throwing games for the White Sox, and we didn't see Pete Rose either. Um, betting as a player and a manager, but we saw Kane doing it. And the funny part was his situation was he was betting on his own team. He's betting on the Sharks. Um, but, but Calvin really was just straight up betting on football like anybody else would do. Um, like, like any other college student, I tweeted out, like any college student like this does this. You know, like it was just a typical thing. Like he was just straight up betting. Like he was just having fun throwing some money on games and like watching them to be m- more entertained. The the problem is he is directly involved w- with the league that he's betting on these games. Like it's it's super simple and it, it's a, it's a stupid mistake by him. And I really I know sports gambling is going to be legalized. Like Saw said, I think it'll be sooner than ten years. Um, I like kind of more of that five-year range. I think at some point, everybody's just going to flip over. Um, But this is just – I don't think he'll get like a Josh Gordon chance where like weed became legal and Josh Gordon came back on the Chiefs for a couple of games. I mean, Josh Gordon came back for like one or two games every other season. But um, like like he's – I really just – I don't think he's going to be on a team ever again in the NFL. So we're hearing from Calvin Ridley. He's speaking out about his incident on Twitter 30 minutes ago. He said, I bet $1,500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. I couldn't even watch football at that point and just going to be more healthy when I come back. So that's Calvin Ridley speaking about the recent news. And um, I also have another tweet from uh, Schefter. The NFL determined that Calvin Ridley placed multi-leg parlay bets, including three games, five games, and eight games. That included the Falcons to win. So, I mean, he's betting on his squad. <laughs> but first off, he's a first off, three and five, three and five, maybe. He's not hitting an eight-game parlay. Nobody does that. That doesn't <laughs> yeah. happen. Like, what are you, stupid? <laughs> so, that does make me think he hasn't bet in the past. Yes, yeah, that was definitely his first. Yeah, yeah, that was his first. Like, oh, this is sick. If I eight like eight parlay, he's like, oh, all eight of these teams are winning, yeah. no doubt. Like, I know all these guys. Like, I know who's gonna win this. Who I film on them this week, like stuff like that. 
And he's like, if I put 500, I can get 10 grand from this. Are you serious? And yeah. then they all and, lost. And, <laughs> and, and he placed them all mobily. That's that's um also what Schefter said. I think that um it was weird they even found out. I feel like if they found out, it would have had to have been through a sports book at a casino. I feel like that would like, I mean, and he used his regular name. But turns out he just used his regular name on a device out of state. So how'd they even find him? Like, that's, that's pretty wild. difficult to get him. And, like, you just found five days where he just placed parlays. I bet, I, and he didn't even hit him. I bet. There's no way he hit them. There's no chance. Yeah, the book is a junior in college, and he, he, he gets his hits through Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> Calvin, didn't, Calvin didn't pay up, so he, uh, he went to the NFL. They found, they found his logs through Venmo. It was like $1,500, and the caption is, never doing eight legs again. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so like, online sports betting isn't legal cool. in Georgia. So, I may, maybe the bookie snitched. That's how. That would be my it. guess. I bet fifteen hundred. Well, I don't have a gambling problem. That's what Calvin Ridley said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I just said that. I know, but like, you know, that's so funny. He said he's gonna bet fifteen hundred that he doesn't have a gambling problem. No, he said I bet fifteen hundred. Um, I don't have a gambling oh, problem. Oh. Yeah, not he's not betting that he, <laughs> that he has a gambling problem. That would have been I know, but that would have been way better. Well, that's what you need. That I can see where you're coming from. That's where you need punctuation in um your sentences. It's like the let's eat grandma thing. It's like you gotta have your commas. Oh, oh let's eat comma. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. so you had me scared for a second. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I wish Calvin Ridley was betting on the fact that he didn't have a gambling problem. Um, but like, just to wrap things up about Calvin Ridley, all I have to say to finish it off, wide receiver, um, like wide receiver one talent, a lot of talks for him joining the Pats. That's definitely not going to happen. Um, if he gets a chance again, I think he'll be successful for a few years. Other than that, you just wasted the prime of his career. Um, moving on, talking about careers ending. Coach K, that loser, um, <clears throat> played his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium that seats about 500 people. Um, and Duke went in there, huge ceremony, six different streaming services, like different streaming, I don't even know how to explain it, like different camera angles on ESPN. Um just just for the main broadcast to not start on time because Kansas went into overtime. That's the first thing that I wanted to point out. That was the funniest <laughs> thing of the whole day, that Kansas, the true blue blood, went in there, went into OT, got the job done in overtime. We'll get into that game um, right after this one. But you had to watch the curtain call. I watched the curtain call for the first half, the whole first half. And on one side, it was UNC versus Duke. And on another side, it just showed Coach K the whole time. It was following Coach K. Literally the dumbest thing I've ever, ever, ever seen in my life. Will, RCUNC fans celebrating. How's it feel? Fantastic. Couldn't feel any better. It was an amazing experience. Might be one of my favorite UNC wins of all time. Same. 
Um, Same. I just honestly no words. I have I have no words. I'm lost for words that they even won this game. But we showed up. We balled out. We had more heart for our for our coach. That's that's all I have to say. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Our coach Huey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Huey Davis. <laughs> As a guy who doesn't have a, a dog in the fight between UNC and Duke, I thought it was awesome that they uh, yeah. that UNC beat Duke. They didn't beat them. They embarrassed. Like oh, second embarrassed half, them. you can tell that UNC wanted it more. They out physical them first off. They outplayed them. They opened. They they literally did everything so much better than Duke. And it is so wild to me. How obviously, like you got the big name, so like the big name Duke guys, you know, and then you got guys like Terrell Owens that are just randomly there wearing the white coat <laughs> shirt. It's like, yeah. why are they acting like this guy died? Like, it's so <laughs> wack that it's like you never see this for a coach to get a retirement tour. Never mind a college. I mean, yeah, sure, Coach K is one of the better coaches of all time. Well, yeah, sure, we'll, I'll give him his flowers. Recruiters, but like, I will Yeah. Not even, like, to be honest, but, like, he's okay. And, like, you, you got guys that, do, like, Roy Williams didn't announce that he was retiring, like, three I'm months selfish. Before, about like, the players. Like, a, exactly. a year before the season started. Like, Coach K announced he was going to retire after the year in June. Who does that? Like, oh, this is going to be my last tour. <laughs> Everyone embrace yeah. me and give me and, a gift. Uh, the best part is after after the game, um, when they did like the whole thing where like he came out and talked to the Cameron crazies. You can call him first off. You're crazy if you're going to Duke University. There's a way better university an hour down the road in Chapel Hill. They wear nicer <laughs> colors and they have nicer people leading that their university. University, nice university. Um, sorry, how's it? <laughs> it's, it's TikTok, you know. Um, like, but like, that's that's so corny. Every single thing that he has done this season has been corny. Everything he's done in his life has been corny. He's a cornball. He's a loser. He's a fraud. <laughs> he's he's a great recruiter. I'll give it to him. He's had a lot I, of winning. It's absolutely ridiculous to me, like Stop said, that after they didn't make March Madness and he gave up on the team, he was like, I'm retiring next year. Everyone come <laughs> to my school so we can win a national championship. Yes. Still not first in the nation, and your team isn't deep enough to make a run in March Madness. Like, have fun losing in the first round. I know. Like, they're, I don't think they'll be in the Elite Eight. Are no. They, no, they're, that kind no. of solidifies my opinion on Duke. They can't win the big game. I'm sorry. But if you got a guy like Paolo who – I think got dominated, especially in the second half. Played terrible. Oh yeah, by Brady like, Manic. <laughs> yeah, Brady like, Manic picked him up in the second half. I, I just don't understand how a guy who's projected probably going to be a top five pick, lottery pick, number one maybe, like how you don't show up in this game. Like, I don't think that Banchero is going to translate into the NBA, and no. I'm gonna, I think I might be wrong on this take, but I'm. I'm just going to spit out hot takes real quick. Banchero is like a 6'8 power forward that can't play the three, can't play the five, and he's short for a four, and we've seen short fours be successful. But I don't like Banchero. Don't talk about Grant Williams because I already know you're <laughs> at, at that because of Grant Williams. Um, 
I don't think Banchero has the the utilities to play a small four. I don't think he can shoot the no. three that well. And I don't think his defense is okay, but he plays a very good college style defense where his the fours that he's going up against are like six five. He's not athletic enough to keep up with threes in the NBA. He's too small to keep up with fours, like you kind of just said. If I'm a team, who who's projected to get the number one pick in the NBA right now? Is it the Rockets? I think it's the Rockets or the Pistons. I shoot the Pistons yeah. well. So I think it's the Rockets. If hypothetically, like even either or, if you're the Rockets or the Pistons, why would you waste your number one pick on this guy? Like you want I just don't think his the risk reward is there. Even hypothetically, if he pans out, he's a six eight power forward. Like how good he's not athletic enough to yeah. dominate like, like I don't I hate saying like dominate like LeBron, but LeBron's a good example of a guy who's like six nine, six eight, who can play the four. But like he's not LeBron James though. That's exactly it's LeBron he's not James. nearly like he doesn't have the athleticism anywhere close to an NBA four. Or and like, it's just I, I don't see him. The best part out. is the best part is he's listed at six ten. That guy is not six ten. No, because Baycon Baycott is not 6'10 either, and Baycott made him look like a baby. Armando Baycott, by the way, junior at UNC. He's going to stay another year, and Armando Baycott next year is going to be up there for Naismith Player of the Year. He is a very talented player. He plays the four. He plays the five. He's a great college basketball player. And straight up, Baycott outwilled that team of UNC, and they had Brady Manick. They had R.J. Davis. And a big step up from Caleb Love, which is what I saw, he played really, um, really well. Game, and I was very UNC, impressed. UNC had four players score at least 20 points in that game. And UNC has the depth to do it off the bench. They have Puff Johnson, who's um Cam Johnson's little brother, Cam Johnson on the Suns now, who's been on a tear. Puff Johnson is is pretty much the exact same build. They have a couple more guys off the bench coming off, and obviously Leaky Black uh, bringing up the ball, who's a great mm-hmm. one. Like, UNC has the, the strength to... Hopefully, if UNC can win a few games coming up in this ACC tournament and they can get into March Madness, because right now they're on the bubble, um, they, they're going to be dangerous. And, and we saw it against Duke. If you can beat Duke, you can beat any team. And not only did they beat Duke, they beat Duke in Coach K's last game ever at home. The biggest game that I, I would say their most must-win game of the season, not for their team, but for the pride of Coach K. And that's more important to that coach than winning games. You know, I think I I wanted to hash back on Ranchero because like really quickly, I just think consistency. I wanted to say, I think that's the most minutes I think I've seen him play like all year. Like I could be wrong. I don't watch a lot of Duke games because for obvious reasons, I just Mm -hmm. don't like Duke. I don't care about them. (laughs) <laughs> Unless they play my team. Um, but, like, I know, like, the whole, like, cramp situation. Like, I feel like I saw him That's more bad. often than – Yeah, no, I feel like I saw That's him bad. out it's there a bad more, situation. Than, more than, like, he normally has been. Like, I felt like he almost played the whole game, and he honestly didn't really impress me as much as everyone's been talking about. He didn't look good. Um, no. Kind of bouncing off of what Will said, I don't even think – is the best player on Duke. I think AJ Griffin's the best player. AJ, and, and he didn't have a great game either. But I, I, I no, I feel like they didn't give him his touches though. Towards the end, yeah. it didn't seem like he was getting his touches. But this kind of cycles back to UNC. I want to give UNC a lot of credit. They played like they had nothing to lose. You know, Coach what I mean? K got out coached. Yeah, 
like by far. By far. I it think was the moment clear. the moment was too big for the players because it wasn't about them. They were like, "Oh shit, we can't let this um, we can't let this guy down." Like, but yeah, that's the not the way time, you should be playing basketball. If you're players. a coach, you don't want to put additional pressure on your players, especially right now against a rival before Mar- like before the tournament starts. Like, you want your guys to be calm. You want them to be right. like, "We got to win for you, regardless." You shouldn't have to give these guys additional motivation, additional pressure, like insurmountable pressure of literally. Every single player who ever, like, went to Duke at that game, yes, praising their Everybody. coach. There was it was way too obvious that that game was going to be a letdown for Duke, and it kind of exposed them. If the moment's too big for them before the tournament, how are they going to respond in the tournament? Like, right. I wouldn't be surprised if they got kicked mm-hmm. or they got um, they lost in the second or the third round. And my and my thoughts for um. For this this squad of uh, the Blue Devils that they have this year, first off, they have no depth. I know Will already mentioned that. I think Stav touched on it as well. No depth. They they played two players off their bench once again, which we've talked about. They run a seven man rotation, which I mean, I think at minimum you run an eight, because mm-hmm. people get tired, bro. Trust me. <laughs> and it, like you can be as in shape as possible, but Banchero playing 25 minutes when the kid cramps up every 10 seconds is not healthy for him. He's and, and Coach K is keeping him in. Who knows what's even going on with with him with cramps? There was no way that Banchero played through that whole game feeling 100% fine. But do you think Coach K cared? No, Coach K wants to get a dub in front of. He had over 400 of his former players. He only had 500 former players. Like he didn't. He, he had everybody possible there. He had his whole family, mm-hmm. all his sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, all of his um, nieces, nephews. Like everybody, everybody in his family, everybody that knows him, everybody that loves him was there. And UNC came in. Coach Hubert Davis, our new coach. That's in, in my opinion, this was the biggest game of the regular season by far. It beats any clinching game, it beats any other game in college basketball this season. And to finish it off, the the cherry on top in the in the in the handshake lines. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down... The likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. I don't want to I don't want to stress anybody out about handshake lines because there's been a lot about that this year. <laughs> Um, in the handshake lines, Hubert Davis goes out, reaches for Coach K's hand to shake, 
Coach K turns his head to the left, gives him the cold shoulder, walks away. It just proves how much of a baby he is, how much of a loser he is. And that's why the Tar Heels are the best team in the state of North Carolina. And you can take your numbers, number four seeded Duke, and you can go out and lose the ACC tournament. And you can go out and lose soon in March Madness. And Coach K will be sitting on a beach in Florida in, in a month. It'll be, it'll, it'll be great. It'll be awesome. It's everything you ever wanted. Retirement early, like just gets to sit at home, relax. Also, going back to the Golf game, UNC, best team in North Carolina. This has to be one of those embarrassing losses I think I've ever watched. Like <laughs> I loved it. Like, yeah, yeah so I agree. It was a very like, there wasn't a single UNC fan, nor did I expect one to fit in that stupid little stadium or whatever the hell you want to call that thing that they play in. The high school gym. Yeah, like not even that's that's already an embarrassment to begin with. And then the Hold second thing is <laughs> like literally like how do you lose that game? Like like I sat down on the couch, watched my team beat Duke, and I was happy, but I was just I wasn't expecting that. You shouldn't. And and I weird thing, last episode I think I called it. Like the exact thing. I was like, I think UNC's just gonna go out there and straight up win. I had UNC spread. I didn't have a money line because, let's be honest, I don't have a lot of money. Um, and, and they hit, obviously. I knew, like, they weren't going to lose by more than 11 points. This is the biggest upset spot ever, literally ever, of all time. Coach K, um, I do – I'll give Coach K his roses and his categories that I think he deserves them, and there's two. Coach K has done a great job of putting himself in a situation to be – one of the most winningest, if not the winningest coach of all time. He was at Duke University, already a successful program when he got there. He got there. They stunk. They got Christian Leitner. And after the, winning two championships in three years with him, then they started getting recruits. Coach K, one of the greatest recruiters in bas college basketball history. I will never, ever, ever lie about that. The year that they got RJ, Cam Reddish, and Zion Williamson is historic. Great recruiter. It's just about what you can do with your players when they need coaching. And he, he can translate players into the NBA. That's the other thing that I wanted to say. He does a great job of getting guys into the NBA. The issue is the way that he coaches, he doesn't coach to win college games. He coaches for two reasons, to get his wins up for himself and to get players into the NBA. He doesn't, he doesn't really, in my opinion, Duke University, University, I hate that TikTok now because all I say is Duke University. Um, Duke straight up is just his like, it's not, he doesn't have a, I feel like he doesn't even have that much of a personal connection with Duke that everybody thinks he does. He's just there to win games because that's the easiest spot to win games. Like he just likes to win, which is fair. He doesn't do that much to win games, bro. He just has the best players in the country. In my opinion, that's what I've been saying for years, and I'm going to stick with it. He's retiring a loser. So that's all that matters. Yeah. That's what, those are my final pieces. Um, yeah. Moving on to the game that actually mattered on ESPN that day, the game before, <laughs> 21 Texas at number five, Kansas. A great game. Kansas went into OT with them. Obviously, we talked about that. Hilarious. Um, they pulled out 70 to 63 paws. Um, Kansas struggled throughout literally the whole game, literally throughout the whole game. They had no business winning this game. In my opinion, O'Shea Obaji didn't play that great. Nobody really played that great off, off the bench either. Um, 
I actually straight up, I watched this whole game. I don't know how they won. I literally don't know how they won. I I watched the whole game too. The game was honestly a mess the entire time. Yes. It just wasn't a great overall game. Um, the ending play before going into overtime was probably one of the more craziest things I've ever seen. It was like that weird mess up, like balls on the ground. Uh, Texas yes. guy gets it in the corner, throws it up, and like makes it off the backboard. And everyone went wild. And then they look at the replay, and he was like, it was so off, like timing. Like, <laughs> like, like I don't know how on TV it looked like he actually got it off. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah, sense it was, at yeah. all. They showed like the instant replay. He was like at least three seconds behind the behind. Like, yeah, I was like, what happened? Yes, here? yes. He had no. They're talking about like, Abaji at the end too. They were like, "Oh, they're gonna like triple cover him." I'm like, "Why were they triple cover?" Like he had like seven points. Matter. Yeah, I was like, oh, cool. "Like he hits the game winner." Like I'd rather lose in that way than triple cover him and have an open shot at the end of the game. Like let a ball yeah. open shot. Like what? And then and then um, they went into OT and they got smacked. Yeah, I this win for Kansas makes me kind of think that they're going to be my pick to win it all. Really? I think a team that had, like we've said, if a team that has no business wins in a game, well, first off, in conference, second off, against a ranked opponent, like, those are two huge variables. Like, if you don't have a bit, if you don't have any business winning a game and yet you find ways to pull off wins when, and then when your best players aren't even playing well, no one was even playing well in Kansas, as we've said. Yeah. But yet you still figure out how to win. That's so important for me, especially come March when things are just not going to go your way. They're, basketball is a game of runs. And if you can manage the storm, if you can weather the storm and come out on top, especially against a ranked opponent, I, I love Kansas. I actually think they're going to be my pick to win it all. Yeah, and, and um, to just bounce off, give you some more hype around Kansas, um, they play a lot of players off their bench. Like, they're they're ready to make a run, and they're ready for guys to be fatigued. They have their backup set. And, I mean, we saw, we saw some pretty impressive performances in this game. Um, like, kind of big step-up slates. Like, the... The players that were supposed to play well didn't play well um, in, I mean, O'Shea Abaji in, in general because he's the guy that needs to be hitting the big shots. He's their guy, and every college team needs that one guy to hit their shots, and then they need a supporting cast around them. But we saw a couple guys step up off the bench, score double digits. They had nine guys score in this game. I mean, Duke only plays seven people a game. So they played, I want to say, um, they played 12 guys. They had a 12-man rotation in this Texas game. It's a big win for them. The, the reason I'm scared about Kansas is straight up, they had no business winning this game when the second half started. But when this game started, we knew that Kansas was supposed to win. Um, and Texas, obviously a ranked opponent, 21-10. and 10, But Kansas ranked sixth in the nation, and we're at James Neesmith Arena in Kansas at – I mean, home of the Jayhawks. When you're at home early in March when you're finishing up the regular season, it should be smooth sailing. It wasn't. But to bounce right back off that, I'm going to argue with myself here. They played terrible in the first half. They had a little comeback slate in the second. They got it done in OT. They they found a way to bounce back from adversity. Me and Will love the term adversity when it comes to late in the season. 
Kansas, a great program. I have them in the Final Four, I think, at least, Stav, and I agree with you. They are a legit, legit college basketball team this year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like we, I think we've said this the past few weeks, there's no heavy favorite, I feel like. No, at all. I feel like every week somebody else steps up to the plate and knocks it out of the park while another team just strikes out. We saw this week with Duke. I think with Kansas, like um, step Kansas obviously stepping up and Duke just striking out. We every week things change and this week it's going to be so crazy. I cannot wait for the tournament to kick off. I, it's just great time of the year. Sports are awesome. Can't complain. I, I'm I'm just excited. I, I but I'm you know I'm going to lock it in. I'm going to pick Kansas. I, I guarantee I'm going to pick Kansas to win. That's wow. my guarantee. Before, wow. before the big conference tournaments, yeah. Sav already has the Jayhawks, which is a – that's a big thing to say right now. That's a big mm-hmm. promise because March mm-hmm. Madness, we know. You could look at a bracket. No promises. Once you look at that bracket, you're going to see some teams that Kansas has to play, and you're like, ooh. Like, they they might be tired the next day when they have to go play this the sixth seed. Like, and it, every team's going to play tough competition. It's going to be a crazy one this year. I already know it. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. This is going to be the best March Madness in the past five years. I agree. I It's like a weird, I feel like I was going to say, I almost like in like a weird way, I almost don't like anyone because I don't know who to pick. Yeah. It's like you, I like everybody so much that I don't know who to pick. Yeah, it's like it's like you talk like we talk about every single team, and I'm like, mm, I don't know if I don't like them against like the 12 seed because the 12 seed might actually come out and surprise a lot of people because yes. just the way the rankings are. And I think like obviously like conference uh, tournament week is a big week. I think it's one of the more slept on weeks. I think this is going to be a very exciting week. We're going to see this a lot of teams. A, one of my and, favorite weeks of the year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It is one of my favorite weeks because we're I, especially this year, the way the tournament is lining up, we might see a lot of teams that come in and surprise us in these conference tournaments, and especially the teams that are on the bubble and the first four in. I mean, those are never like any great teams, but you never actually know. But this right. Year. And there's like there's teams that are like 12, 13, 14 seeds that we could see make runs like these mm-hmm. mid-major schools that are just going off and um I think we'll get into one of those games um, at the end of our college basketball talk. But moving on, um, a big game that I wanted to cover because a top 10 opponent at home in a big rivalry. It's Indiana against number eight, Purdue at Purdue. Um, This is one of the biggest rivalries, excuse me, in college basketball. Purdue barely gets through 69-67. It was it was a crazy game. It was a crazy game. I don't know if either of you watched it. I watched it from start to finish. Um, Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady didn't play too well, but that that duo of Ivey at guard and then Eady, a seven foot four center for Purdue, just that's an insane matchup. And then they have a shooter in Stefanovic, who's I I think he's where's he from? I looked up where he was from, and he is he's just a straight shooter. He does it all. He looks like he's forty years old though. Um, Purdue, Purdue might be a final four team for me. I love Purdue. I love the way that they play basketball. I think they'll get into March Madness as a two seed. Um, and I think they'll make a big run. I think they have the depth to do it. I think they have the coaching to do it. And they have a big three of a guard, 
a wing and a center. They're they're just they they balance out very well. Purdue's a great team, and to get past Indiana, who didn't have a fantastic season, but they didn't have a bad season. It's a big rivalry. It's the last regular season game of the season. We're tired. That's a big win for Purdue. Mm, I agree. This is a big win. Big win for Purdue. And like it's also another one of those situations where like they could make a decent run too. Yeah. Like they I don't think they'll be a one seed. I think Kansas will get mm. you know, I, I think Kansas wins their conference tournament and I think they get a one seed. I think Purdue um will make obviously like they're not gonna lose early in their tournament, but I think they're a two seed, maybe a one seed. I don't think they'll get a three though. I think they're a two the highest. I think that's exactly where they'll put them, and I think they'll make some noise out of it, too. I think they are a great team, and they don't have to face a one seed until they reach the end of their, um, of their uh, like, little sector. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you on that. I, I couldn't agree more with um, liking how Purdue plays. Purdue is awesome. I think they're going to kind of – we've seen it in the past. Purdue is kind of known as a tournament team. Like in the past, yeah. they've—I mean, Carson Edwards had his run like a few years back, and I don't know. I I do like Purdue as well, and when you one of your best, like I literally just said this with Kansas, but when your best players don't play on a big or don't play well on a big stage, however, you still find ways to win. I immediately just think that finding ways to win is one of the most important things with college basketball, along with hitting free throws. I going off on a little tangent here. I have Villanova going deep in the tournament just because they lead the country in free throw percentage. So, <laughs> but um, I like Purdue. I like how they play. And I'm, I just, I wish I could just, I don't even want to say simulate that until the tournament because I want to watch the conference play. It's just, I'm so excited to see how everything shakes out. Yes. And and it's, it's awesome that everything's starting this week, conference tournament wise, because this is, I mean, a single elimination tournament before the single elimination tournament. Like, heartbreak is going yeah. on this week, and we love to watch heartbreak because we also love to watch celebrations. There's going to be buzzer beaters. There's going to be blowouts from teams that aren't supposed to beat the other team. I mean, I think we saw who won. I saw a team, they were 9-19, and 19 and they beat a team that was like, 15 and four or something like that. And it like, I was just so happy to just see a team in a conference. It was like a mid-major conference. I, I don't remember the colleges. And um, I, I'm just happy to see teams that aren't supposed to win. I'm happy to see them winning games. Cause that's like, that's what we're here for. Um, moving on though. One of the greatest games of the weekend was Arkansas versus Tennessee, the 14 versus the 13. Will, you love the burnt orange. Me, I love my Razorbacks. And I think, I said, I said, obviously not my Razorbacks, but they're my team for this year. Um, (laughs) um, I said Arkansas is going to make a run. They beat LSU barely. You can call it as you see it. Or wait, yeah, no, they they beat them by one, sorry. They They beat LSU barely, Stav. I'm sorry, you're an LSU fan. They go into Tennessee. One thing that I didn't talk about on the last episode where I thought they could win out in the regular season, Tennessee was at home for this game. It's a big difference when it comes to this Mm -hmm. conference. Tennessee won the game by four points. And all I want to say is it's hard to win on the road. I have a lot of trust in J.D. Note, who put up 25-4. and 
Um, even missing a late game three, I don't really like how that play was drawn up. They kind of gave him an ISO situation where he ran down the court. He caught a double screen to the right, which was – so they broke it into sectors, like the left third, uh, the middle third, and the right third. J.D. Note shot the lowest percentage from the right third, so I don't know why they gave it to him on that side. Um, but, like, it was – I still believe in them. I still believe in Arkansas to make a run in their conference tournament – um, Tennessee with that win though, I don't want to keep talking about Arkansas. Uh, so Tennessee with that win, they finished tied for second in the SEC with Kentucky, which is a great, great big deal. Um, because we were talking about this on the last episode, how are things going to happen? And I think we all agreed that Auburn was going to win the, this, this conference, which happened. And it was a matter of who's going to win this game, Arkansas or Tennessee, and they're going to shake things up. And that's exactly what happened. So now it's one Auburn, uh, two is Kentucky and and uh, Tennessee. And I think I think I don't know how they're going to do the tiebreaker. I don't know if they've already decided on that. And then Arkansas at the four, which kind of screws Arkansas in their bracket because I think now they're on their side of um, – Auburn. So it's going to be crazy in the SEC. Um, my final, like, end of regular season thoughts, my favorite conference this year in college basketball has been the SEC. They have blown my mind the way that they've played basketball. Every single school in the SEC from top to bottom has played, like, like it's it's been the greatest conference in college basketball this year. It's been better than the Big Ten. It's been way better than the Pac-12. We all know that's not real basketball. Um, Big East is better than ACC. It's better than they have so many schools that are ranked. They have so many schools that can be ranked, like LSU, who's on the verge. Um, And I think LSU will get in there. This conference tournament is going to be great teams playing against great teams starting at round one. The SEC, and and they've they've set records this year as a conference for the amount of wins, the amount of points for so many different categories. The SEC is legit, and that the SEC in football is such a big, like, fan base, and I think it could be the same in basketball, and I think this is just a start. I think college basketball is going to start running through the SEC now. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it's good that you say that because the SEC is always known as a football conference, right? Yep. Like, the fact – just like from a recruiting standpoint, too, if – because they have football. They'll, I think they'll always have football. I don't think the Big Ten is really going to take over football just because no, it's really no. top-heavy. However, but that's conversation for another time. But if the SEC can kind of take basketball away from the ACC and the Big Ten, why wouldn't you want to go to a big – or in the SEC school? There's – the hype around campus will be insane all year. You have all the attention on you. The spotlight's on you. You're at the party. Like – there's no reason not to go to the SEC if you're a five-star recruit. And yeah. especially now, the ACC is going to lose a lot of traction with Coach K leaving Duke. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how the next few years pan out, especially in the uh, SEC. Right. It's, it's, it's awesome. I love the SEC. Um, it's been, like, in my opinion, watching SEC football is different than watching college football. 
because these are the NFL players. These are the guys that are going into the next uh, level. And then there's a couple extra guys that come in from the other Power Five conferences. And then there's a couple of guys from the from the other conferences that get in there too. But the SEC has dominated football, and I think it's about time that they just dominate sports, college sports in general. And I think now is the perfect opportunity. They have so many names that are going to get drafted and so many different sports this year because i mean they're they're amazing and baseball being their location is such a high population of baseball players um so they already have baseball they've had baseball literally forever but nobody really cares about it they have football and now they're going to have basketball i really think they're going to take away from the acc and the big 10 um just because of the amount of people that show up to games every single game that i watched at the sec from the sec whether it be like any any school, literally any school. This is my favorite part about it. These stadiums are packed, whether it be LSU facing a random non-conference team on Wednesday night, a sellout, and it's Arkansas, the Razorbacks. Like, it's, it's so – it's almost too perfect. It's the definition of college basketball. That's what I watched in the SEC this year. It was – it was great. It was actually like one I of my agree. favorite years of college basketball because of that. The SEC played a large part. I agree. It was. I, I think even I even like the LSU matchups, but even like the Alabama matchups. Like Alabama was good last yes. year. Like they were really good last year, and this year, like they they weren't like they're not crazy good this year, but they're still really struggled really good with teams. consistency. Yeah, and like like all their games are, are all interesting. Like all the unranked teams in that conference too are putting up fights. Like it's, it's just, it's more competitive than every other conference has been this year that like by far. Right. It's, it's been like, not, it's not only the competitiveness because when they play non-conference teams, they smack them in, in a good, um, yeah. a good representation of that was, um, who was it? LSU. LSU went 21 and 10 this year and stop. I'm going to bash them a little bit, but just something that I've noticed. And, and I could say the same about a couple of teams, including, I mean, I can just name them off. There's LSU, there's Bama and there's Texas A&M. All of them went nine and nine in, um, in their conference play, but LSU went 21 and 10. Texas A&M went 20 and 11. Bama went 19 and 12, and Florida did the same thing at 19 and 12 as well, nine and nine in their conference. It's like they had a tough conference um, standing because their conference was just so legit, but they smacked around non-conference opponents, and they played some legit schools, all of the teams that I just named, and they won those games. Like all of these teams who – I'm trying to look. There's only three teams in this conference that weren't 500 or above in the regular season. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, the SEC is legit there. And I think they're here to stay. It's crazy that Georgia was the worst team. And it's crazy that Georgia went one in 17, two years after having Anthony Edwards, um, who is such like a big recruiting piece. And that's why we see like Murray state, like play good. Like when, once you have players, you're going to start getting more players. So yeah. I think Georgia's not done. I think they're going to have in a couple of years, like the guys that came in the year after Anthony Edwards were pretty good. They're going to be there for four years and they're going to be a great program. Like they're going to keep cycling through because any of these colleges, these are the biggest colleges in the country. Any of them could be the number one seed at one point, just the level of recruiting that they have. So I think the SEC is finding their balance in basketball. And I think that's why they had such a great season. And I think we're in for a long stretch of 
SEC dominance. And I think an SEC team will come out and I don't know if they'll win March Madness, but I think we'll see at least one SEC team in the final this year. That's my piece on that. So um, moving on, um, two more games to cover real quick. 20 Illinois versus 24 Iowa at Illinois. Um, big, Illinois big won 74 to 72. Will, you watched this game, right? Um, I watched part of it. Yeah, I watched a part of it too. I watched what game was on? What game was on um, during this game? Was it you? No, it wasn't you. And it was UCLA. I think it was that. No, that was Saturday night, right? No, that was set. Uh, UCLA USC was Saturday night. I think it was. Was on. I think it was Indiana Purdue. Yeah, actually, was on at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So that's why. So I was flipping back and forth because I wanted to see my boy Kofi Cober, who who put up twenty one and fourteen, a very good game, fantastic Um, night. And not only was that a big big game because they won the Big Ten for the first time in seventeen years. Right. Which is. Which a difficult insane. thing to do. <laughs> yes, v- very difficult. And I wanted to say about Illinois, I don't know how you guys feel about them, um, but wait, they didn't win it. They tied with Wisconsin, right? Because I thought Wisconsin won. Yeah, it, but they, they tied. Okay. okay. I, so I the tiebreaker went to them. Oh, yeah, because well, they have the better overall record. They have the better didn't they call them the record. co-champs or they something? They call them co-champs. They call them co-champs. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. They still call them co-champs. Yeah. um, So, I mean, uh, a very, very impressive season again from the Big Ten, which is what we expect. Wisconsin coming out on top, which is crazy because you have teams like Purdue, Iowa, um, Ohio State, who Ohio State didn't have as good of a season as they usually do. But like Purdue being ranked eight and finishing third in this conference, Illinois had a great season altogether, as we thought. I honestly thought Illinois was going to play better um, throughout this regular season. I didn't think they had as good a regular season as we all thought they were going to at the beginning because we all thought Kofi Coburn was going to be the number one pick. And we also all thought he was going to be Naismith Player of the Year. He's had a pretty good year, but not the numbers that we thought he was going to put up. But overall, I mean, they're they're heading into their conference as the one seed. Um, they have the players to get it done. They were down 15 in this game, and they came back, which is another big win. It's what we've been talking about literally throughout this whole episode about winning games that you need to climb back and fight to get into, facing adversity, all of that. I mean, it was an overall impressive performance on all sides. Um, and I don't want to play down Iowa, who's also a ranked opponent. We're going to see how many teams get in. We're going to see four teams from the Big Ten get in. 
in my actually, opinion. I think we um, have to. Right. So I'm actually taking a look at the um, the 2020, like Joe Lenardi's bracketology. Like he has the 60, his like prediction. Yeah. Came out. I didn't know that he like updated it today, which I mean, I'm assuming like I should have known that anyways. But um, at the bottom, it has the conference breakdown. He's projecting to have the Big Ten to have the most teams in, in the tournament with eight. Eight. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you could see, you could see Ohio get in there you could see Rutgers even get in there at 18 and 12 mm-hmm. they have that small forward who is insane maybe one of the best Rutgers players of all time Michigan State Michigan and Indiana I mean they're all above 17 and 13 like yeah, yeah you're right I mean Indiana I think is definitely on the bubble they're 18 and 12 they played 9 and 9 and 11 in the conference so I'd say they're in the bubble but I do like Michigan I like Michigan State. I think Michigan's going to get in. And I think there might be a big thing this year where one of these sides, either Michigan or Michigan State, doesn't get in, and it's like a big like beef on Twitter between these two schools because like they're just so even this year. And Michigan State had a better record overall, but I think Michigan might sneak in, and it's going to be like a big thing in the NCAA because we, there's always drama going on between those two schools. In the in the bracket prediction, he has uh, Michigan State, but he's projecting them down at eight as an eight seed, and Michigan as an eleven seed. So currently, he has both in the in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the Big Ten, as we talked about when Stav um, was talking a little bit more in depth about my take on the SEC, the Big Ten, obviously a great basketball conference as well. Um, it, it, it would make sense to have a lot of teams in from that conference. Um, especially with the downplay of the ACC this year, you need some more teams to fill in. And both the SEC and the Big Ten have those teams. Um, moving on, though, Will, to your favorite conference that features yes. Loyola of Chicago. First off, who's your team in this conference? Is it Loyola of Chicago? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Then you can talk about this game, Will, because me, myself, you know, I usually lean for the Drake Bulldogs. You usually lean for the Drake Bulldogs. Um, so, Loyola Chicago beat Drake yesterday. I did not watch this game. Um, they punched their ticket into March Madness. also wanted to say as well, Murray State punched their ticket into March Madness, I believe, because they won their, um, their conference. They, they won the Ohio Valley. They, yes. No, the Ocean Valley. What do you guys The Ocean, Ocean Valley, Valley Conference, Valley. as I call it. Yeah, no, I didn't want to mess that up <laughs> on the podcast, but I do call it the Ocean Valley Conference because there's a great – there's a great ocean that goes throughout Ohio. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. you guys didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the Pacific Ocean. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we see it. We see it. Um, Loyola Chicago once again get in. I feel like since they made that date run with Sister Jean, it was just so iconic. They're just going to be good like forever. Yeah, and it's the same with yeah. Mary State. They had John Brandt, so they're going to be good forever. She, they, I think that they're always good to win a couple of rounds. Yeah, no, this they're is like, always th- good to like they're one, good. not only because of like their pass runs, this is big, but like literally because they're due for a good like two wins in the tournament. That this is like a bracket shakeup. Like this is a bracket yes, shakeup here. Like, so like, that's, like this it, is a it, year. It, this it, is a year that any team could win. So they'll probably go deep. Like they could yeah, probably like go. This, yeah, like this is like that's it's definitely a possibility. Right. So, we're, I mean, we're already seeing conferences uh, wrap up. I'm excited for the big conferences this year. 
Um, but I'm glad that Loyola Chicago already clinched their spot and Sister Jean has a week off. That's big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just about to mention Sister Jean <laughs> made her, her annual appearance to steal just all the attention from the team. Like, regardless <laughs> of how good that team, that team could win the national championship and they wouldn't even be the headline. Sister Jean yeah. would be the headline. So, <laughs> yeah, well, she, she's taken out of Coach K's book. But moving on. Um, straight to the NBA because I just mentioned Coach K and I'm already starting to get triggered. Um, let's go to a totally different person that I also dislike, LeBron James, who put up 56 game, 56 points in a win against the Warriors. Stav, a deep sigh from you. 56, LeBron. About time. Like, <laughs> I, this pissed me off so much when he did that because of course, the like the Lakers were nationally televised what five times in the past like week and a half. Maybe, maybe. And they get smacked every single game, and then they win when LeBron scores fifty six, and then NBA Twitter goes nuts. All the Instagram, like everyone's saying, "Oh, LeBron's the goat, the fifty six, the king," all this stuff. And I'm like, no, like. <laughs> He he's clearly not showing effort in the previous games. He can do close to this. Yeah. Like, I, it pisses me off how much attention he got. We'll kind of get into this when we talk about the Celtics. But I feel like I got as many notifications for LeBron putting up 56 as I would for other teams winning the NBA Finals. No, like, I, I, I agree uh, with that. The other thing is, too, um, like, this had to be a scam. Like, he literally talks so much crap before, like, this game, like, saying, like, I believe in myself. Like, we talked about this on the last episode. Yeah, that, yeah, because like, I was That, pissed. like, stupid quote that he gave. Like, of course he was I can never count myself out. Yeah, like, of course he was going to drop Start 56. Like, like, all the stars were leading him to drop 56 against the Warriors on Sunday. There's nothing else going on. Like, to be fair, like, there was college ball going on. But, like, more than likely, the people who, like, love LeBron that much are going to be watching the NBA Sunday night. So, like, like you just know that's what the attention is going to get. I mean, there was what by far, by far better NBA basketball on, on Sunday this game. Um, It just, I don't know. It, like, I, I don't I don't love it. Like, yes, good for him. He dropped 56, but I'm pretty sure he had, like, less than 10 assists. No, I think he only had three assists. <laughs> yeah, I want to say he had, he had like, like, three, three assists. Or... Four, I think. He only had three assists. It, like, this isn't a Lakers win. This is a LeBron win. This is a LeBron well, win, and he's very Coach K like. Where it's like, obviously, when LeBron has these games, it's gonna be a LeBron win. Like nobody cares about the Lakers anymore. All all the people that are Lakers fans right now are LeBron James fans, and it's it's pretty obvious that it's just like. I don't I don't know any way that I could word this without swearing, so I'm just gonna kick it off to stuff. But like it's just it's a joke. It's a joke. You know, it it is a joke. And then the other thing from this too, for like the fifth time this season, Russ had, was mentioned in this headline. Yeah, twenty. He had twenty, and then they wanted to bench him for the rest of the season after the game. <laughs> of course. Um, I think we should kind of redirect some of the attention to the Warriors. <laughs> They're they're on a bad stretch. I think they're two and eight yeah. in their last ten. I do not want to hear any Draymond Green haters speak again because this is clearly because he's out. Ever since he's been yes. out, they're on a terrible losing streak. They're on a terrible yeah. stretch. I think once he comes back, they're gonna kind of pick it up again. That big three will be back. Like they're gonna kick it into high gear. Um, 
Draymond Green is the most the most important wild card on that team, I think. Like I Steph Steph and Clay don't play as well without him. It's clear. Like Steph couldn't bring him to the playoffs last year without uh Draymond barely played, I don't even think, but Draymond needs to come back if the yeah. Warriors want to do if they actually want to make a run. Yeah, so um before we move on, I I'm ready to talk about the Celtics. Congratulations to LeBron James, um former um Cav, great. Um former Miami Heat, great. Um Dwayne Wood was better on those teams. Moving on, we've got the Celtics. Um Jason Tatum, our real hero, put up two points less than LeBron because he felt bad. Yeah. He didn't want to overshine LeBron this weekend, but he went out there on KD. I just want to say this is the first Celtics game I have not watched in a while. So I'm gonna let you guys take over, but I do have a good excuse. I know it was a big game, guys, but me, myself, I had a big 3v3 basketball tournament. I sadly lost in the quarterfinals. Um, It was at 2 p.m., so I had to show up at 1 p.m., get my shots up, all of that. Um, I sadly lost. I did watch the highlights for this game. What an impressive performance from Jason Tatum. Will, I'll let you take over. Absolutely electric is really the only thing I can say about this game. Um, the energy was unmatched. Um, I've actually, like, I've been watching a lot of Celtics again. I'm getting back into the NBA slowly. Sometimes, sometimes I sit there and watch an NBA game. I'm just like, why am I watching this right now? And it happens very often, especially when the Lakers and the Knicks are on national television. Um, and this game was absolutely electric. I love the energy that the Celtics brought, especially playing that Kyrie played, which was obviously a big thing. Yeah, yeah, not often. Um, yeah, so, um, <laughs> like, obviously, all the attention is going towards Tatum here with 54 and the dub. Katie put up 37. But I also wanted to say a big talking point was um, not having Ben Simmons yet and how and why didn't Katie guard Tatum? Well, like, coming I'll, from the I Nets can... perspective. Like, like someone at his size needing to guard someone, why, why isn't he on Tatum? Like, I just – like, I was just confused. Like, I mean, obviously – I'm happy you ruined for the Celtics. Tatum's absolutely in his bag, getting buckets, doing everything he can. Like, it was just an amazing performance. But, like, someone, like, a team like the Nets who are looking to make a playoff run and they don't have Ben Simmons either, like, why isn't Katie on the best player? Like, he shouldn't be waiting for someone to tell him, go on Tatum. Um, I can answer that because Katie can't guard Tatum. Nobody can guard Tatum. Simple. Um, Simple. Yeah. You throw – Bruce Brown, probably the, one of the best on-ball defenders on that team, on Tatum, and he literally got cooked. And you double him with Kyrie. You do everything you can, and they could not stop him. There was a few possessions where KD was on Tatum, but Tatum still got it. He still did his thing. Like, what I've noticed a lot more about Jason Tatum, especially during this 18-2 and run that the Celtics are on in the last 20, he makes the right play at least 90% of the time. Like, down the stretch, I think there was like a minute left, a little less. Tatum had an ISO opportunity, drove it, kicked it to JB in the corner, who hit a three. Mm -hmm. Like, previous Jason Tatum would have just gone up for a layup and got blocked, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I agree. Him trusting his teammates makes 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Him so much more unguardable because you can't double team. Once the other guys are hitting their shots, they're done. And I alluded to this when we were talking about college basketball probably two, three times. When you play a game where you don't deserve to win, but yet you find a way to win... That's the most dangerous team. The Celtics bench had seven points. The Nets bench bench outscored them like 35 to seven or something. Usually you lose those games. KD had 37. Kyrie, he definitely is a mental midget when it comes to coming to Boston. He does not like playing in Boston. He had a lot of turnovers, tried to do too much. KD is just unreal though. That like, it's so hard not to like be in awe of what KD does. Like, just literally dribble, pull up. You're good luck stopping. I think he's like the best offensive player in the league. I don't know what right. you guys think. I, I agree. I think he, I, agree. I think he's. I'm gonna say this. I've I've loved Kevin Durant since um he was on the Thunder, and I'm a rare person who also enjoyed him on the Warriors. Um, you can call me what you want, but I I like I don't like super teams, but I do like Kevin Durant. So I mean, no matter where he was going, I was gonna enjoy watching him play basketball because. If he's not directly, like, disturbing me, like Kyrie Irving is now, um, then I'm just going to focus on what he does on the court. And what he does on the court is something that nobody has ever seen ever. I don't think that he – I don't think that he's just the greatest scorer in the league right now. I think he might be the greatest pure scorer of all time. Like, I think the way that he gets to his spot is – different than anybody has ever done it. I think he's a better scorer than Mike. I think Mike had obviously so many other things that he was better than KD at. But Kevin Durant, the greatest pure scorer of all time, in my opinion, I think he can do it better than anybody else. And and at his size, um, going back to Will's question about why KD wasn't on Tatum is because KD needed to go out there and get buckets too. And that's what he did. He can't be using all of his energy guarding Jason Tatum. Not everybody can play both sides like JT does nowadays. JT, Kawhi, Paul George, those are the wings that play defense. They play offense and they play it at the highest level possible. Kevin Durant, he has the size, but in my opinion, he doesn't really have the greatest defense. And, and that's why he didn't guard LeBron when he was in the on the Warriors in those finals runs because he's out there to get buckets. That's what KD does. He goes and he goes and gets his points. He'll he'll play defense, but he can't play defense on their best player while also being the number one option. That's not the way he plays. And back to Staub, I know I, I keep going back and forth to you guys. Jason Tatum kicking it out to JB, that's perfect for Tatum. It, it gives Tatum, Tatum making the right move, making the right pass, first off. Passing more, I feel like, is big for him because it allows him to be a bigger presence on the defense because he's not using his energy every single possession on offense. He's not the guy that goes up there and hooks shots up anymore. He's making the right moves, and it allows him to be more balanced. 
And Jason Tatum right now in the league is the best two-way player in the league. Yeah, I agree. And I hate how Nets fans and some even NBA Twitter, I see this out of like the Nets fan base, think once Ben Simmons comes back that Jason Tatum is going to be completely isolated. And like, I do not think Jason Tatum gets his against Ben Simmons. Like we see it every single year, or we used to when the Celtics would play Philly, Jason Tatum would constantly get 25-30 against the Sixers. Like, that's not really a concern. If Ben Simmons is – I mean, that's a big if if he even plays because who knows when that guy's going to come back and play. Right. I just think Jason Tatum's still going to get his, and that just opens up the floor for everybody else to make plays too. Exactly. Like, Jalen Brown is coming off an injury, and he still put up 19, hit the biggest shot of the game. Like, Brooklyn really needs to figure some stuff out. They have way too many – individuals on the team they're not a good overall team I'm, I'm like my question from before about like KD not picking up obviously like I agree like Tatum was going to get his regardless and KD has to score that was more towards the way they're just being coached as a team like they have so many people on that team that can get buckets like they can let KD let out there and try to ice like try to get isolate Jason Tatum from scoring for at least a couple possessions to get them back into a game and not like, right. like obviously before we saw him pick him up a couple of times and JT still scored, he did his thing. Like no one was stopping him, but like in other games where they need to isolate the best player, they need to have someone his size on him to even just gain an advantage. And I think that goes back to the coaching. And I said this in the last episode, I even think when Ben Simmons come back, when Ben Simmons comes back, Obviously, as Stav said, he gets his against Ben Simmons, so I'm not even worried about that. I'm more worried about the coaching in the stretch. I, I simply yeah. – I just don't like Steve Nash as the head coach there, and I don't think he's doing a great job with what he has. There's so many people on that team that can really lead them to better than what they are at right now, and obviously not having Kyrie for a full season definitely played a role. But, like, they also had James Harden for a long period of time, and obviously he went out, he's out. Like, they, they're not lacking pieces. They're just – I, I honestly think they're just lacking chemistry and coaching ability. I just don't think it's the right fit. And if it is the right fit, it needs a little bit more time and work. I got so mad at some guy on Twitter yesterday because he was like, man, KD needs some help. I'm like, who else can you give Kevin Durant? You <laughs> <laughs> Kyrie Irving, LeBron like, LaMarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond, all these dudes. What? Who do you want? Michael Jordan and LeBron on the team too? Like, this is, I, and like I, I was seeing that a little bit too much yesterday where I had to log off of Twitter for the day. And I'm like, oh, it's like you blame KD for joining a super team and hate him. And then he's on another super team, but he doesn't have any help now. Like, I really don't cry understand for some of these people. Yeah, I, I don't you cry. I, I don't get it either. And, like, the whole, like, Nets drama thing, like, I just, like, I, as I said before, I don't think they have it in them to really make a run. I Obviously, I think Ben Simmons as a piece in the future will be good for them. I think at the end of the day, they're going to have to take a look at their coaching staff and they need upgrades. Yeah. I agree. And I wanted to say um, about Steve Nash – Steve Nash is – I don't know if we talked about this when we recorded or if I said this off um, off recording. Steve Nash would be perfect in a situation like OKC or Cleveland where um, – or maybe even Houston <clears throat> where they have, like, a lot of young players. I feel like Steve Nash is a great coach, but I feel like the egos on that team are, are leading to him not look like one – just because they're not listening to him. Steve Nash is the definition of a team player. So if he gets five young guys on a starting rotation that play team ball, I think he's going to be a very successful head coach. But that's not the situation he's in. 
I know I agree with that. Like what I'm trying to say is I think in terms of the in-game possibilities that he does, he looks a little lost out there a lot of the time. Like watching him, a lot of the camera was on him in their bench during like Tatum dropping 54. And he was out there, arms crossed, looking at Tatum drop 54 points. And like, obviously no one had an answer for him. But I mean, like, like there's like, they're screaming for help. And you have Kevin Durant. Like, right, right, like and you, you can't you can't be screeching for help, and you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie playing, and they have like what's it called Drummond, like they, they have so many pieces. Like I mean, all you, you just I feel like his in game adjustments don't translate to what he does like at practice. I feel like the practice part of the game that works for them really well because they're playing in close games, they're winning games, and they're keeping teams close, which is what you need. I think it's the on court adjustments and in game play is really what's lacking. Right. And I think that um a big part of it is just the fact that like Steve Nash he he's a he's a veteran. Like he he's played in the league for years, right? But he hasn't coached in the league for years. This is what his second year, his third year of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um like being a head coach. Teams like this, like super teams with a bunch of veterans, in my opinion, I don't know how you guys feel about this. But they don't need a brand new coach at all. I think that's actually the worst case scenario is getting a brand new head coach because these guys are ready to win where a brand new head coach is ready to learn and while he's trying to win. Steve Nash needs to learn a lot before he becomes a great head coach, just like every other coach needed to do. And it's just he wasn't really – I think he was just so hyped up on the fact that he's going to go out and coach KD, Kyrie, and at the time, James Harden, that he was like, yeah, I'm going to take this job, not knowing. And I think that the the Nets front office didn't really understand the fact that they should have just gone out and got a veteran that they know, like a veteran nice coach that they know has together and knows how to win. I think they just messed up in the hiring process. I think Steve Nash is going to be a great coach. And I just think that the situation he is in is too good for him. He doesn't have any time to learn. I I think the Nets are just too worried about everything besides basketball. Like, yeah. they're so worried about the media. They're so worried about their own image, their own brand. Like, I'm going to harp on Kyrie just because he's so easy to pick out of this, the, the pile. Like, he would ask, like, what happened in the game yesterday in the post-game conference? And he's like, well, their game would have been very different if Jason Tatum had di- – or didn't score 15 – or, like, scored 15 points. But, yeah, obviously. Like, yeah. stupid thing to say. What do you – it's just they're so worried about other things. They got to take accountability. And until this team takes accountability, they're not going to do anything. Yeah, and Kyrie also said, like, coming into Boston, it's like coming back to see, like, your ex-girlfriend or something. He said something of that nature. Yep. Um, Kyrie's the ex-girlfriend. Boston isn't the ex-girlfriend. He's the annoying ex-girlfriend that keeps, like, push, pushing our buttons. Kyrie, like, we threw – someone threw a water bottle at him, right? Like, I'm sorry he went to jail for five years, which is insane. Um, Like, Kyrie's the one that keeps instigating things. He's the one that keeps bringing it up. If Kyrie was like, because at the end, Kyrie was just like, yeah, I enjoyed my time in Boston, but but that's over now. Like, if Kyrie just straight up came out and said that, like, I enjoyed my time in Boston. I, I had a lot of fun playing with guys like Smart, Tatum, Brown, but, like, I had to move on. We would all move on, too. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. It's the fact that he keeps coming back and doing these things. That's why we're booing him. 
Like, he's being annoying. And, and I think that he's trying to reverse roles to, to kind of make him look like the victim when he's really not. No, he... I think I, and I think... I actually do, Duke. I do think that a lot of NBA media and NBA Twitter is starting to realize that. Like, yes. I was looking yes. through a lot of comments and stuff yesterday. They're like, especially after he came up with those comments about, like, being the Boston's ex-girlfriend. Everyone's like, nah, dude, like, they're fine without you, clearly. Like, yes. and especially after his antics this year, see, people are starting to realize this guy really isn't all in on basketball. And we, they, they're, everyone's starting to realize, like, oh, maybe Boston fans were right about this guy. Maybe, like, you leave Maybe Cleveland, you leave the Celtics, you go to Brooklyn, and you cause crazy problems. Like, you're not, we're not the ex girlfriend, buddy. You're the psychotic ex that can't move on, but is exactly. doing, like, yeah. it's crazy. I, I think, I don't know what's in the future for Kyrie. I just doesn't, he needs to grow up. He's the, he's the ex girlfriend that, like, deleted, like, all of the pictures from him and, like, his old boyfriend. And and then like went on to a new boyfriend and just like has like OD like PDA in front of him at like parties and stuff just to like try to start stuff. Like that's what Kyrie Irving is. He's just annoying and he tries to like pick fights in a way. And, to a rival's and- lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down... The likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. And us and us Bostonians agree with it like yeah like i'm gonna fight back because that's what we do we're from boston and and for a long time ago like first season gone he he blamed it on racism i'm not gonna touch up on that um however i think the more and more he does things of this nature the more people are turning on him because he just straight out looks like an idiot he looks like an idiot and he's acting like one and he is one straight up like he's just if you're not 100% in on basketball, then don't be. But you you really don't have to keep picking fights with fan bases like like your Kevin Durant. Like him and Kevin Durant just love fighting people. But KD does it on Twitter. Kyrie does it through post-game press conferences. And and they have a lot of issues outside of basketball. Adding Ben Simmons to that is, is going to make it even more fun. Having James Harden with that was a blast, in my opinion. It's going to lead to them losing games because of it. And I, in my opinion, it already has. We've seen a lot of people not play games because of it. Kyrie missing half of his games. James Harden wasn't playing for a while. Now Ben Simmons, who's on the team, hasn't played yet. He got traded there like two, three weeks ago. He's been in 
this is I don't know if we've talked about this. I would guess that I've already talked about this because I think of it every day. Why is Ben Simmons doing conditioning to get back into game shape? Why is he not in game shape? Even though he wasn't playing games, why was he not working out until he got traded? That doesn't make sense to me. He should have came here and played right away. It, ben Simmons treated this like it was a vacation. He's supposed to be in-season playing. He missed out on a lot of game checks. He's missing out on even more. He's losing money. Ben Simmons, I think he's a great player. Can't shoot the three to save his life. He's not like me. You know, I think the Nets could use someone like a me right now. Yeah. My 3v3 tournament, I would. <laughs> Nets are in trouble. They're the nine seed. There's no guarantees they yeah. make the playoffs, especially because who knows know. until the NYC, the New York City uh, mayor lifts a vaccine mandate to work or whatever that situation is. So they're not, they might not have Kyrie for the rest of the year at home, which is half of their games. You're telling me yeah. that one of the, like, the Hawks are the 10 right now, and the Hawks can easily just flip a switch, I think. Sure like, yeah. I think the Hawks are very overshadowed just because they don't have a great record. They easily could be, like, the sixth seed. If they won games that they should have won, they're just choking like Atlanta. But, like, Brooklyn has to watch out behind them, and – it's going to be hard to make up ground because the teams ahead of them keep winning. So mm-hmm. good luck just thinking because you're Brooklyn, you're going to make the playoffs because that's not the case. You're going to have to start winning, and they can't do that. Right. They're, they're pulling a little LeBron James where it's like not trying until the postseason, but you can't not try until the postseason if you don't have a postseason. Um, but moving on to our final game um, that we're going to cover over this past weekend – was an NBA Finals rematch, a great game between the Bucks and the Suns, um, where the Bucks won in Milwaukee, one thirty-two to one twenty-two. Chris Middleton, star of the show, forty-four points, eight rebounds, five assists, and I put in a couple notes. I said, first off, is Middleton really that good? Second off, I wish he could do this more consistently because Chris Middleton is one of the smoothest scorers in the NBA right now, but. Some days he has like 13 points and he looks like a second round pick, which is what he was. And then some days he looks like an all-star like he did right here. Chris Middleton, who had a great playoff run last year. I don't know if like maybe he just like is starting to ramp up and he's peaking at the right time and they're going to make a run. But Chris Middleton is dangerous in Milwaukee with the honest. If Chris Middleton can really put it together and my two Greeks that I gladly do this show with, big Giannis guys. Um, not a lot of Irish guys in this league, but Chris Middleton is a key piece to getting Giannis more rings, and it's very, very known. And if he can play like this, I think he can. They're on their way for another finals run this year. Yeah. Watching this game, like I agree, watching this game brings back a lot of the memories from before when, when everyone was talking about if Giannis is holding the ball the whole time, Chris Middleton can't be good. Like, Giannis had a slow start to this game. He still got 19 and 13. He still got his. But, like, Chris Middleton dropping 44, 8, and 5. Like, because Giannis had a slow start, I still feel like that whole, like, talk from years ago where, like, when Giannis isn't at his best, Chris Middleton is that guy to step it up, which makes them the perfect combo. Because right. they can still win games with Giannis going off for, like, 30 and Chris Middleton only dropping, like, 15 to 20, which is still really, really good. Mm-hmm. If if I'm a Suns fan, I'm betting on the Suns to win the finals, to be honest. They didn't have Deep Book. They didn't have Cam Johnson. They didn't have Chris Paul. And they were in this game. This was a tie game with like three minutes left and then foul, whatever yeah. happened. 
Mm-hmm. The Bucks were full strength. Like yeah. No, no I, Pat Connaughton. No Pat. Oh well, yeah, but like it's pretty. That's a pretty big deal. It is. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, no, that that being set up, that's a big deal. But like, oh, good night, Griff. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. But I'm just saying, you're missing your th- arguably your three best players. I mean, you you did have Aiton who got his. He got 30 on 14 of 19 shooting, got his eight boards too. But, like, if I'm a Suns fan, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, this yeah. team around them is just getting better during the stretch where they're out. This is a perfect time. And they're 51 and 13. Like, they can afford to lose some of these games, especially these harder games without – and then, you bring back Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Cam Johnson with 53 the other night. Oh, three right? starters, yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, the Suns, I, I can't see them losing in the West right now, especially with how things are kind of shaping up. Like, this run, they beat the Knicks the other night. The Knicks aren't really that good. But the the fact they kept it so close against the, the Bucks, one of the best teams in the league, without three starters – is something that's very worth to like. I mean, Cameron Payne at twenty three. What was the last time Cameron Payne was? He's in the, the finals. The finals. <laughs> it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just bad to me. Like campaign Landry or yeah, Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit. Like, these dudes, Jay Crowder stepping up. Like Jay Crowder at nineteen seven and five. That's not a Jay Crowder stat line. I hate you. <laughs> Exactly. Over like, five on like five fade threes. Fade threes yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was gonna say um literally exactly what you said were my exact thoughts, Stop. Um the Bucks win the game by ten. This is a great game for the Suns. They were missing out on so many, so many buckets in D books, CP3 and Cam Johnson. And to still put up 122 points, I mean they let up a lot of points. You're missing three starters. CP3, one of the greatest. Um, defensive point guards of all time. D book gets it done. Cam Johnson, great size at the three as well. That's your defense right there in the backcourt. And you missed all three of those. You missed your starting one, two, and three. And you still put up 122 points against a team that was in the NBA finals last year at almost full strength, only missing the best backup shooting guard ever in Pat Connaughton. Um, it was, it was a great loss. Like you, you don't say it often. This was a great loss. Uh, for the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was in Milwaukee as well, who Milwaukee, I don't know if you guys know that, they sell out every game. They sell out every game no matter what. They have a wild fan base up in Milwaukee. So, like, that, it was. they have a college basketball environment where it's like when they're at home, they're most likely going to win because of how loud that stadium gets for them. Great loss for the Suns. Um, big day for Chris Middleton. I think it's a win-win situation for both teams. I agree. All right. So moving on, on to our last section of today's episode, a bit of a long episode. Um, But to wrap things up, we've got a couple more things from the MLB. Two rules who that I think one is going to be implemented. One, another one might be implemented. Starting off, the shift is going to be gone in the MLB forever. Hopefully, in my opinion, forever as a lefty hitter. This is a big deal. I think this is going to help lefties out a lot more than it's going to help righties. Last year, um, I noticed a lot that lefty hitters just straight up could not hit because there was three people on the right in right field, 
and there was like no one in left field, you can't pull the ball if you're a lefty hitter hitting off a righty. Having this for lefties is going to be crucial. And having lefties on your squad, and this doesn't help out our Red Sox because we don't have many, you're going to need lefties starting now again. It's going to be big. And lefties are going to take over the league like they once had it. And I'm very excited about it. The Rays are screwed. Rays can't shift. They're not going to win any games. The Rays, the Rays, yeah. The Rays Rays actually might be screwed. Because they shift everything. They shift they, literally every yeah. single at-bat. Their on-field adjustments are, like, ridiculous, dude. Every single time a player comes out to bat, there's, like, someone in a different location at all possible times. I and, know. like, they play the Red Sox. Like, we're all righties, and there's still a shift. And they, yeah. and they shift in different ways. Like, they literally have it broken down to exactly where we hit the ball. So we had to hit home runs against the Rays. We did. But you can't do that forever. I, I think this – Helps out so many teams and a few teams, it really screws over. Tampa Bay, I'm glad you brought it up, Stop. Tampa Bay is one of these teams that is not going to benefit off of this. I think Tampa Bay is still going to be a great team, though. They have the pitching um, if they're healthy. They have the infield. They have the outfield. Um, they have their um, offensive catcher as well. Um, but I think that this is big news. We've been talking about it for years. I remember as a lefty, I would have to play against the shift when I was 10 years old. And, like, people would shift only against me because I was the only lefty. Like, that, it just straight up wasn't fair. So I've always been anti-shift. Um, I'm happy it's out. And I think I think this is big for offensive baseball. And I think offensive baseball is the best kind of baseball. I love no-hitters. I love, I love no-hitters, actually. I talk about it all the time. But I also like to see base hits. Because for the past couple of years, it's been strikeouts, ground outs, fly outs, home runs. There's been like barely any doubles or singles or anything. Um, There's been no triples, pretty much. I do. The loser of this whole note, like the banning of the shift is guys like David Ortiz. You got to think like imagine how better or how much better his numbers would be today with no shift. Yeah, stats are going to get boosted. Yeah. And you guys like Joey Gallo who are, like, happy about the shift being taken away. That guy strikes out more than he even makes contact. So, like, worry about making contact with a ball first, like, before you hit into the shift, buddy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so um, just a couple of names for – because since we're still on the lefties, which I'm glad we are. Carlos Santana, Jose Ramirez, as you said, Joey Gallo, Yasmani Grandel, all of those guys – were shifted, like had went up to bat to go see a shifted infield at least 94% of the time. Carlos Santana had 97.6% of his at-bats shifted. So at least three people on the right side of the infield and at least two people in right field. It makes it almost impossible to hit a baseball inside the park. That's like, crazy because he's a switch hitter. I know. Yeah, those were for his lefty splits. Yeah, I know, but like that's still. But, I mean, he can hit, he can hit either way very well. That's, yeah, I know, because you mentioned a few switch hitters on there, but like yeah, still, like Ramirez. that's still wild. That ninety-seven percent in your switch, like it's just it it just baffles me. Yeah, and that that stat as well. The top fifteen um, batters that saw the most shifts were all lefty. Yeah, so that makes sense too. Yeah, so um, big. Big news for lefties. The other news is a pitch clock. 
Um, mm. We've been experimenting with it in minor leagues. And I feel like we already have. Don't we have some sort of pitch clock in the MLB right now? No, that's or between like bats. in between innings. Oh, it's between it's bats. In between bats. Okay. It's in between, in between both, bats. obviously. But like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I so, don't okay. like it. I mean. This current one or the or the pitch clock news that pitch is clock. coming out now? The new one. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, I don't like it either. Um, don't so either. to go into more specifics about it, um, when there's no one on base, they have 14 seconds to get a pitch out. Um, when there is someone on base, they add five seconds, meaning 19. Um, I put in our notes here. Um, I think straight up, if we're going to do it, it should be 25 seconds. Um, it gives the pitchers more than enough time, except for Craig Kimbrell, who has to go through his whole thing every single time he throws a pitch. It takes him like 50 minutes to get one pitch out. Um, I think 25 seconds straight up won't throw anybody out of their rhythm. I think 14 seconds is way too short. Like, because I'm thinking, like, if I'm in the lineup with nobody on base, like, I'm taking my time. I'm about to get this pitch out, right? Like, I'm taking – you got to wait for your signal, and then you got to go through your whole windup, and it's like, what happens when I'm right here and, and the clock goes out? Is there a buzzer and I hear it and then I, like, throw it to the ground because I'm scared? Like, what happens? Like, I is there, like, a whistle? Is it, like, an automatic ball? Is it a balk? Like – that, that's what I was. What's to even going to go into this? They they didn't even give us really any specifics of it. Well, like, what's the effect of like I, essentially a shot clock violation? Yeah, that's <laughs> literally like, what it is. It's like no, it's like a, I, like what happens because like shot clock violation, basketball turnover. Like it's only the other way. I can't just be like, all right, uh, like take first base. Like it's one pitch. Like obviously, I like, think it's gonna be a ball. I think they'll yeah, make. I, like, it, I think they'll do like one be... warning and then a ball. Well, or I don't bat, like that at like, all. Or at bat, like, because like that causes more time in between. Now we're talking about a warning. The ump now behind the plate has to initiate a warning to the pitcher. He's like, "All right, cool, thanks, man." And then now we have to go back <laughs> pitch a ball. And then, and, and let's say hypothetically, he throws a ball on like the third so now he's walking to first base that was like a whole like minute and a half sec like transition yeah. like that that's just creating more time and like i know your note says it should be 25 straight up it should just be a straight up number yeah yeah if they're gonna do it and yeah if you're a rhythm of a pitcher you get to the mlb because of your routine for yep. you to snap that routine in the i don't like it at all to be honest i just think I don't even think pitch clock was. Re- I mean, twenty-five seconds. Sh- it should be it. I don't think it should get to the point where it's too quick to interfere with the with the pitcher. Like it should be addressed yes. for for the excessive stuff. But yeah, not I think for, the bar should have been set higher. Yeah, fourteen seconds is way too quick in my opinion. That's yeah. That's, that's not like a lot of time quick. at all. Like I like I understand <laughs> speed pace of the game is really a problem, but honestly, I don't even think that's what makes the game like that much more boring i think they're developing the game in the right way for the offense like if you're getting 14 seconds out of a pitcher like i can't imagine the consistency of strikes being like or balls in the zone so strikes like in in hittable areas for people to be able to hit a ball in 14 seconds like i can't imagine how the quality of pitches going up with only 14 seconds with an empty base Everything's just so um, sped up, and it throws off literally both sides because the batter can't dig in um, to the batter's box and get ready. The catcher is 
I mean, scrambling to listen in or see a signal from the bench and then signal that to the pitcher. And then there's so much things that have to go on in between every pitch, and it's not 14 seconds worth of time. It's way more than that. So I think I, I don't know who came up with this rule, and it got leaked out from one of their meetings. Whoever came up with this, like, I understand the concept of it, but the seconds behind it, 14 seconds is is insane. Not even close to enough time. Um, I, I'm sticking with my 25. I've seen people say 20. I've seen people say 30 to make it half a minute. But like 30, 30 is like it, it'll never happen. 25, we might see it here and there where someone's trying to mess up with mess with the batter. 14 is just straight up like, okay, I need to get the ball and pitch it right away. Like you can't even like get into it. Like I don't think I think pitchers are gonna have a tough time not only getting into the rhythm of the game, just getting into the game in general, because right when they catch the ball, they're like, okay, I have 14 seconds to get this out of my hands. It's it's going to be a whole different situation where, like, it, it's going to screw over pitchers. And, I mean, pitching with no shift and with a pitch clock, both of these rules are affecting pitchers the most, in my opinion, because their, their um, ERA is going to tank. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a lot it's, of pitches. We're going to see a yes. lot of, like, hanging breaking balls this is just an offensive move like completely yep. to get i just hope baseball doesn't get to the point where it turns into an arcade game like a novel yeah that's you where we're I going mean? right now yeah but like because the with the shift it was like a chess game but so taking off the shift i don't mind because i mean baseball there's first second shortstop and third so play where you're supposed to play and you'll make your players plays when they're available um but a pitch clock is you're right it's like making it more like a video game it's like we're here to see home runs and that's it but like it's that's really not the truth no i i agree and then also this is just a sign of the meetings like not only just from the whole aspect of like what this brings to the game, this shows what the meetings are about right now. 14 seconds and the MLBPA isn't happy at all. Like I can't imagine they're happy with 14 seconds. Like no, no chance. Like there's there's no chance. Like this is just like I don't know. I think it's a little outrageous. I kind of like the 30 second, as you said, as more as people were saying. I like 30 seconds. The bar's pretty high. I feel like that's enough time to get a good wind up pitch off. Like obviously for the people who have a longer windup or whatsoever i feel like it's not much longer than 30 seconds oh not at all that's what i'm saying i feel like that's perfect and i feel like if it's too short it's gonna actually just extend the game force worse pitches it's just i don't know i feel like it's taking too much away from the game than yeah like the rest of the moves i the rest of the moves i feel like like last year i thought was almost perfect in terms of like yeah. excitement of the games, like I had a great time watching a lot of games last year. Me as well. Me as well. I agree 100%. So, um, um, the MLB and the MLBPA making more traction, which is what we love to see. It took them a while to get to it, but we're starting to hear more reports every day. So, um, I don't know about you guys, but I can't be mad at that. So, even though I'm hearing news that's stupid, at least I'm hearing news. Um, but to finish things off, just real quick for the Red Sox fans that are listening, um, minor leaguers have reported um, to Florida or Arizona, if you're in the um, grapefruit. Um, Alex Bias, uh, David Hamilton, who we got from the Hunter Renfro trade, two guys that showed up to camp. 
Um, they've actually not been looking bad at all. I think one of them is 21, one of them is 23. Um, so, I mean, maybe we can get some out of them in a couple of years. Um, another big name, Marcelo Mayer, who was our first overall pick in the draft, a shortstop, reported to his first spring training. I haven't seen any videos of him hitting, but I did see some videos of our guy, Tristan Casas, hitting bombs. And he is bigger than he was last season. He is – he's jacked. Tristan Casas – Tristan, I didn't see Jeter Downs, who's another big name in, the, in our minor league farm system. Tristan Casas played double-A in Portland last year. I think he's going to start in Worcester this year. And I think he might get a little call-up during the middle of the season. He's going to have a trial period. I don't think he'll stay up for our postseason. But I think he'll, he'll be there. And then I think maybe the year after that he might be a Red Sox. Um, like Tristan Costas like, had a lot of potential. I like exactly how you broke down this upcoming season. I do agree with you. I think he's going to be kind of like last year's Jaron Duran, where we call him up midseason. Yeah. He plays a few games. He gets a few starts. Kind of, they send him back down to Worcester. But I really hope. Great city. I know we know that the stage isn't too big for Cassis because he played in the Olympics. He was like the best player on the Olympic yeah. team in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like not even just on the team. Like he went off. Yeah, like in general, I just think he's ready for a big stage. However, if he doesn't start off and hit thirty home runs, I just hope we don't see like people get upset or like give like, up. Yeah, like he's twenty. How old is this guy? Like, I, th- I think he's like twenty. Yeah, he's like young. Or he's 20, like maybe 20. a year or two older than us, and. There are going to be, yeah, he's two years older. Like, there are going to be growing pains. And I think, as Red Sox fans, the best thing we can do is be patient with this guy. Because I saw it a lot with Jaron Duran last year. A lot of people didn't like Duran just because he wasn't hitting the home runs he was in the minors. Yeah. No, like, he's a rookie. He's not, like, he's a triple A guy. Get, you know, I just, I just hope um, people don't get, over anxious with Cassis. Yeah, I agree. That's usually what happens with minor leaguers. I'm hoping, uh, first off, Boston fans quick to give up on players. I wouldn't say give up, but quick quick to hate on players until they're performing for us. Um, I just hope that the front office and the coaches don't give up on him if he sees a little slack in performance because that's a big transition. In my opinion, that's the biggest transition in all of sports is going from minor leagues to the to the show i mean everybody talks about it it's one of the it's such a big deal to make that jump it's the biggest jump going from triple a to the mlb is by far the biggest jump and you're not gonna come out here into the mlb and hit 30 bombs in your first season like you're gonna struggle you're playing a whole different pace of play I mean, if there's a pitch clock, that would be even more of a change of pace of play. Um, but, like, Tristan Casas, I think, is is it. And he's our next big power hitter. And we need a big power hitter because we have guys like Bogarts and and people that can get on base. And Rafi hits ding-dongs, obviously. And Xander hits his occasional um, homers. But I just want to see a cornerstone that, like, is just here to just pimp and have fun yeah. with it. And I think Casas is that exact guy. Um, but I don't I don't really have anything else regarding to spring training or the MLB. I don't know about you guys. No, 
I'm, I'm good. No? Well, that's going to do it for this episode. A long one. Almost an hour and 45. We hope you guys enjoyed. We will see you guys on Friday. Man, peace. Peace. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.